0: Hey, my loves, welcome back to the podcast. My name is DeAndre Nicolette. If you're new here, my love, welcome. I'm super excited to have you tuned in for your first ever episode of Manifest Daily. And of course, to my OG listeners, y'all know the vibes, okay? Hey, girl, hey, hey, boy, hey, what's poppin'? What's good? Why was I just yelling? Why did I do that to y'all? I am so sorry if you're wearing AirPods. <laughs> Oh my God. I literally just recorded another intro because today is one of those days where I'm batching, okay? I'm doing, I'm very on my productivity type of vibe, my productive penny behavior. And so I'm batching. And so I'm clearly in a very good mood as well because the sun is out. When is it ever not out in Dallas? Like, okay, I know this is probably like the 50th episode where I talk about how much I love Dallas, Texas, but like, honestly, y'all, the sun, the sun here hits different. I can't even like, like, It's just his different, okay? It's a beautiful day here, and I'm so excited about it. Anywho, my loves, today we are doing a guest episode, and we are having a chat with Tess, who is a financial coach, and I kind of want to give y'all some tea on why I wanted to have this episode, because I think it's a little bit different from our usual episodes on the show, and I want y'all to really understand my mindset with inviting Tess on the show before we dive into this conversation. So when we talk about manifesting our best lives, I think a lot of people instantly go towards journaling, towards manifestation routines, full moon, new moon, a lot of very like spiritual things. And I think those are all beautiful parts of the manifestation process, but y'all know me. Okay, I'm a Taurus girly, I'm very grounded. I'm all about my money too, all about my luxuries. (laughs) Just all about like a lot of material and grounded experiences in this life. And because of that, I really like to have a better understanding of the material world and of the different things I play in this matrix so that I can create a better life for myself here and I can experience it to the fullest I can manifest my best life and in order to manifest our best life we have to really understand the different rules that we're playing with the different things that are at work here in this 3d world so one of those things is money and it is learning how to better manage our money and even beyond that learning how to do some things like investing and saving and understanding 401ks and understanding IRAs and honestly I won't even lie to y'all like when I would hear about stuff like that it would make me a little nervous like almost a little sick to my stomach because of the fact that I have such deep-rooted money stories about not having enough about needing to work until I'm dead basically and not being able to really understand the process of retirement and understand how to prepare Care for those things and so I would hear about 401ks and IRAs and investing and I would turn the other way. I would say I don't want to even talk about this because it scares me it's something that I don't understand but the thing about anxiety around money and Tess and I get into this in our conversation is that the more that you understand the more that you're better equipped to move forward properly and to make smart money moves but also it helps to lessen your anxiety around these things if you're someone that wants to manifest your best life part of that process and part of that journey for manifestation is understanding how to make your money work for you girl you think these rich folk out here who got all this money you think Mr. Bezos over here don't know nothing about investing that man invested day what you mean so if you want to be like rich or if you want to have a rich life if you want to experience certain luxuries even if you want to just live out in the middle of nowhere and in a van for the rest of your life because that's your goal that's your dream learning how to make sure that you're building a specific foundation that can allow you the freedom to choose the way you want to live that is important and that literally starts with understanding how our money works and how to make our money work for us i don't listen to a lot of other spiritual podcast. I won't even lie. I like to stay in my lane. Part of staying in my own lane is like understanding that I want to tap into what do I feel called to bring y'all on the show? What do I feel called to share with you? And not sharing things that I see everyone else sharing for the sake of, you know, fitting into that bucket or for the sake of like making sure that I'm doing things the same way that everyone else is doing them. That was a mouthful. Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> that being said, I'm excited for this conversation. It is very grounded. We are talking money. We are talking numbers. If this conversation makes you uncomfortable, This is something that you might want to explore within yourself because like I said, this is something that for me has caused a lot of anxiety. And one of the things that Tess and I talk about is the anxiety around money, is the anxiety around, you know, saving later in life. I will be the first to admit that I know I don't have the strongest, you know, set up for retirement. I don't. I wasn't taught this stuff very young. I'm learning. And part of that learning process is admitting what you don't know and also being not afraid to explore those things, explore what you don't know and ask for help. And this is exactly that first step for us. So Tess shares a ton of amazing resources in this episode with us on things like budgeting, the 401k, the Roth IRA. And if you're like, girl, I don't know what any of this means. We talk about that too. And we talk about why they're important. And we talk about how you can set yourself up for financial success. So baby, yes, be about your money be about your coin and if you really about it then you're gonna listen to this episode because literally it's gonna help set you up for some real good coin okay you feel me so tap in my friends grab your beverage of choice y'all know what it is i'm drinking water today because one thing about me i'm dehydrated OK, I'm dehydrated. So I'm having some water. Um, I'm heading off to the tailor right after this to pick up my clothes. So girl, I got to stay hydrated because that Dallas sun is hitting. It's giving everything it needs to and more. And I'm very excited for her. Um, so shop in, grab your beverage of choice, grab your little snack, a snacky wacky. Why did I say that? I don't know, but it works. And let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Tess. Manifest Daily Tess. I'm super excited to have you on for our conversation today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing today? You know, I'm good. I've spent pretty much the entire morning so far running around like a headless chicken. I'm traveling tomorrow. So, you know, I was like running the Starbucks. I was running the Bath and Body Works. I was like trying to do all the things. My sock has a hole in the toe. So that's kind (laughs) of where... (laughs) That's, that's not the that energy. <laughs> no, not that bad. Not that bad. But like still very like chaotic. So I'm trying to, hopefully I'm bringing more calm vibes to this episode for today. But just a heads up, in case you're wondering like, is she okay? No, I have a hole <laughs> in my sock and my toe is poking through.
1: So <laughs> I am not. You know what? What's funny is I was having this hole in the sock conversation with another girlfriend of mine that's an entrepreneur as well. And we were like, when you have holes in your socks, that's how you know you've got a lot going on. And then when yes. you have a hole, and like the heel that's when you know it's like really bad so i feel oh, like oh, that I'll is- in the toe <laughs>
0: A hole in the heel is like go home, lay down. Like do not yeah. talk to
1: anyone. Like do not try to do anything. Exactly. That's what she had. I was like, I think you need to go get some tacos and just go on your couch and have a minute.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. So for for anyone listening, um, tuning in who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Tess and I have an educational platform called Wealth with Tess. And my mission is to help entrepreneurs and career professionals learn how to invest in and beyond their 401k. And I start with the 401k because as I'm sure you know, personal finance can be super overwhelming. So my goal is to demystify investing. And usually I start by educating around the 401k because a lot of people have one, whether they have one from an old company that they used to work for and now they're an entrepreneur or they are still in corporate America. It's one of those things that if we use really well, we can use it to really drive some wealth. So that's where I start. But I teach all kinds of ways to invest and usually easy ways to invest and and just try to decomplicate it for everybody.
0: I love that because honestly, as much as I'm like, let's get to this bag, let's make money, the conversation around money and like saving, investing, your future, retirement, like all of these things can be very, very stressful. I'm in my late 20s. And I feel like when you start to get to your late 20s, you become even more panicked. Because if you haven't started thinking about these things in like a very serious way, it can be like, am I behind? Like, where should I be? What should I start doing? So for anyone who's like, like myself, who may be starting the process a a little bit later, and I don't want to say late because you know time is a construct, okay? But for anyone who's starting <laughs> this a little bit later with no previous help or expertise, what are three foundational steps to starting the process
1: of building wealth? Sure. So I will say for anyone listening to late twenties is not that late to start, and I think we all feel oh, thank like that's yeah. <laughs> we all, everyone says that like whether they're in their late 20s. I work with a lot of people in their thirties and and forty. I would say late twenties to early forties everyone feels like they're behind we're all in the same (laughs) boat, so we're all panicking. okay good (laughs) everyone's panicking so i that's like one of the messages i try to share as much as possible like everyone thinks they're behind if you're taking action and you're learning right now you're gonna be okay it's the people that ignore it forever that are gonna have challenges down the road so you're not you're not too late so that's the first okay (laughs) (laughs) so three foundational steps to build wealth you can't really start to build wealth unless you have a solid foundation, right? So the first couple of things I would do is one, just make sure you have an emergency fund of three to six months of savings that you don't touch. And I would do that before you pay off any high interest debt, before you start investing, just to give yourself a little bit more security. And truly that's the best thing about it is just knowing that if something goes wrong, you lose your job, especially in this economy, you have an emergency fund and you can take care of what you need to take care of. So that's the first thing. The second thing you'll need to do if you wanna build wealth is make sure you've paid off all your high interest debt high interest debt could be anything with an interest rate of over seven-ish percent. And so that's for a lot of people. It can be student loans, unfortunately, Um, but for a lot of people that's mostly credit card debt. And so making sure to get rid of all of your high interest debt is the second thing you can do. And then once you have your emergency fund and you've paid off high interest debt, you can start investing. And I think one myth, and we'll talk about misconceptions about investing later, but one common misconception is that you need to be debt free to start investing. And that's not true, and that can actually set you back. So as soon as you've paid off your high interest debt, even if you have student loans or a mortgage, then you'll want to start to learning learning to invest, which is the third step. And We can elaborate more on some places to start when it comes to investing, but one main message I always want to get across is it's not as hard as you think that these days, there's a lot of easy ways to start investing that are really accessible to all of us, which is really exciting.
0: Okay. I love that you've broken it down into these three very simple steps. And I say simple meaning like they're simple in, in, you know, talking about them in practice might be a little bit more difficult. (laughs) for
1: you yeah
0: but um but no this is great especially because i have that question myself right of okay i have credit card debt and i have student loan debt and i am trying to save for you know emergencies and also save for house and it's like you feel like you're being pulled in a million different directions when you have one income right or you have maybe like two incomes or you know maybe you even have three but for most of us it's like one job and you have the paycheck, either the one or two paychecks you get per month, and you have so many things you have to do. So starting with the, emergency savings and then being able to move to the high interest debt um, and then going into investing is really helpful, especially because I've also heard that misconception of you need to have, you need to be like debt free. And the way that I see, it, I mean, my student loans is giving high, okay? So I'm like, I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm hoping I get pardoned one day for something. <laughs> so, but it's good to know that it's like, you don't have to wait and wait and wait and feel held back by something like that to actually start taking more active steps in your wealth building journey.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that can be really demotivating if you are trying to pay off all this debt and student loans can take a long time. And if you pay it off faster, you might save yourself some interest, but then you don't have any wealth that you're building so most of the time mathematically if you have low interest student debt you're going to be better off investing anyway so i think it's really important to do that math and the good news is there's calculators for all of this you don't have to be good at math to be good at investing or budgeting you just have to find the tools and thankfully a lot of smart people have created calculators around this kind of thing so we can drop love those the calculator um, yeah <laughs> we can drop those in the link to the show notes
0: Amazing. Thank you. So kind of taking a step back before we dive into kind of like the investing piece, I want to talk about the mindset piece of this, right? Because that is a huge part of the wealth building process. That is literally a tongue twister for me, and I cannot understand why. (laughs) But there can be a lot of anxiety around this. How would you suggest someone go about kind of coping with that anxiety around wealth building and their finances in general?
1: Sure, so the short answer is education, right? I think a lot of us think that we're really bad at money and I actually, I just did a post about this today and so many people say I'm bad with money or I'm not good with it. And my, my follow up question is usually how much time have you spent on education? Have you picked up a book? Have you Do you follow some creators online that provide financial education? So before you, speak so negatively to yourself, it's important to be realistic and be like, okay, like how much time have I actually put into education? Because once you start to educate yourself, whether it's through free webinars or a book, or even just learn one subject, and that's why you know I, we started the podcast off with a 401k, that's an investing tool that a lot of people have, whether they used to have one or they have one now. And so you don't need to learn everything there is to know about investing, but if you can learn a little bit about that tool, what, is, what does it do? How is it taxed? And what kind of investments can you choose in it? Then you'll have an understanding and a baseline to build off of. So the short answer to reducing anxiety is education. But when it comes to the mindset around building wealth, that you sometimes have to go a little bit deeper. So the short answer is most people can get over their fear of investing by learning about how to do it in simple ways. And the great news is it's, it's far less complicated than most people think. But when it comes to your mindset, that's where you'll probably need to do maybe some journaling on what you believe about money and challenge yourself on whether what you believe is true. I mean, especially as women, we get bombarded with messaging all the time that we need to save our way to retirement and we're poor because we're buying lattes and there's a lot of shame around money. And so I think it's really important to have a conversation with yourself and be like, okay, am i bad at money or have i just haven't learned, you know? Am what did my parents believe about money that might have impacted me? What stories am i telling about myself about money that might not be true? And this is where it's really valuable to join a program or a networking group and start to normalize conversations around money because it's so taboo, more taboo than sex, probably to talk about money. And so we all need to really find ways to support each other and start to dismantle some of these beliefs. And that's why I try to do a lot of my Instagram account and I have a lot of other creators kind of trying to do the same thing to remind people that you're smart and you can do this, but it's okay if you have shame and anxiety around money. Most people do.
0: with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. That's drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. Check it out. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the money stories and really like going deep with what are those money stories for you. Because for me growing up, like I wasn't taught anything about how to save or a 401k there are a lot of different opportunities there are a lot of different times when my parents would talk about how we needed to to cut back on things or how there wasn't enough and there would never be enough right so a lot of times when you're intaking those stories like you don't realize how deep they go and how deeply they affect the way that you deal with money that is something that i'm consistently working on but like it really does go very deep and i feel like in order to actually build wealth like you have to address those stories because you could have a lot of money coming in but if you don't know how to properly save or invest or do some of these other things it's like it'll go right back out and sometimes i do have that issue like i'm great at attracting money but one thing about me i'm gonna buy a latte test i'm gonna buy a latte <laughs> <laughs> good you should you should <laughs> starbucks sees me too often and truly at this point you know what you know it's great though i did invest in starbucks because i was like if i'm gonna be buying this much <laughs> coffee from these people like let me actually invest in. <laughs> In like Starbucks stock. Cause like, yes. to be honest with you, yeah, I'm, I'm there too often. But, but yeah, I'm, I love that you talked about like the money stories and also focusing on one part and learning one thing about investing or saving first, versus trying to do all the things. I think everyone online is seeing all the conversations about like Bitcoin and NFTs and this and that. And it's like overwhelming. You're like, where do I start? What do I do? Why are these people yelling and writing in caps all the time? But if you just figure out, okay, I'm going to focus on like 401k, learn what I can about that and go from there. I think it makes it a little bit easier and more digestible as well. Yeah. I want to segue into that conversation now um, specifically about investing. So what are some of the basic steps to actually start? And what does this look like for specifically a 401k and a Roth IRA? And also, if you could explain the difference for anyone listening who may not be familiar with like what they are um, and what that looks like. Sure.
1: So To to just build off of what you were just talking about in terms of spending money, that's really the first step to investing is to figure out how money is coming in in and out of your life and how you can potentially take a portion of that and invest it. And one thing that's really important to me is that if you are somebody that wants to buy lattes and you love that and that gives you joy that you still find a place for that, but also make sure you're spending money on your future self by investing. So I think that there is a way to do both um especially if you've paid off your high interest debt so tracking your spending and figuring out how money comes in and out of your life how much do you need for fixed expenses how much do you need for to enjoy your life because we're not robots so we need to spend money on things that bring us joy and health and and all that kind of stuff and then you know what what else is left over for investing and saving and so that's really the first step to investing is tracking your spending because you might be able to cut some things out or adjust some things that can allow you to invest more. And the earlier you can invest, the better because you get to take advantage of compound interest. So that's the first step before you even get into investing is to understand what your financial landscape looks like each month. And then the second step would be to take advantage of retirement accounts that you have access to. So this is where I like to break it down and and try to make it less overwhelming by focusing on what you already have. A lot of people already have a 401k. So that's a great place to understand what that is, how that is a great container for your investments. And then, The third step would be to learn how to select investments within those containers. So it's kind of like I need the first step is I need to track my money and figure out where it's going and then uh, ideally block off a certain amount that I can invest consistently. The second step is what containers am I going to put that money in? What retirement accounts am I going to put that money in? And the retirement accounts are really just a way to save a lot of money on taxes. That's why we like them. It's not because they're necessarily great for, like they are great for retirement, but retirement accounts help you save money on taxes. They're containers we that love help that. You.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a
1: little bit simpler to think about it that way. So then you have your dollars, you wanna put them in the containers, which are the retirement accounts that help you save on taxes. And then, then you have to select your investments within those containers, because retirement accounts are not investments in themselves. And I've seen a lot of really sad stories of people opening a Roth IRA, and then not actually selecting any investments in them. And that is like, as a financial coach, that is just like the heartbreaking, I need to get myself a glass of wine, I feel so bad situation because it happens all the time.
0: That actually happened to me at one point, because I opened a Roth IRA, and I didn't necessarily understand the part that you just mentioned about actually selecting, right? And so I did eventually learn quite, thank- thankfully, it was like a month or two if I was like, oh, wait, and they sent me some kind of email emails and tell me about it. And so it was like understanding it as almost, uh, I don't know, because technically is a Roth IRA, a brokerage account technically, or is that a different thing? Uh,
1: Yeah. So a Roth IRA, IRA just stands for individual retirement account. So to back up, a 401k is an employer sponsored retirement account. An IRA is an individual retirement account. And you can open and hold both of those in Brokerages. So, brokerages are just the companies like Fidelity or Charles Schwab that hold these containers for you and that you invest in. Then there's another another piece. If you've used all your retirement accounts and you're still investing, you can invest in what's called a taxable brokerage account, which is just an account that you're investing in that's not taxed. That doesn't have sorry that doesn't have um, tax advantages
0: because you have limits on how much you can invest yearly for both the 401k and the Roth IRA
1: exactly yeah so the tax advantages on 401ks and iras are really all comes down to two different ways your money is taxed so in things like a 401k or a traditional IRA, which again is just an individual retirement account that you could set up on your own, for anything of of that nature, you're investing what's called pre-tax money. So you're not able to subtract that money from your taxable income, sorry, you are able to deduct that from your taxable income this year. So if you contribute, let's say, $10,000 to your 401k, you get to deduct $10,000 from your taxable income on your taxes, which is great, so you pay less taxes this year. That money grows what's called tax deferred, meaning that you don't have to pay taxes on it as it's growing until you get to retirement. Then when you start to pull out that money, you have to pay taxes on it. So that's the first type of retirement account is a traditional 401k or a traditional IRA where you get to reduce your taxes now But later in retirement, you have to make up for the taxes on the back end when you withdraw. The other type, which is a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, is when you put in money that's after tax. So meaning you're going to be taxed on that income as normal, but your money grows tax free and then in retirement, when you're withdrawing, it's also tax free because you've already paid the taxes up front. So the advantage of having both is that you can have different tax advantages. And in retirement, you can pull from different ones depending on where you are at. So it's valuable to have more than one retirement account. And it's valuable to have one that's pre tax, because you're reducing your taxable income. Now, A Roth is great because you're kind of getting those taxes out of the way. And we if we know one thing about taxes, they tend to go in one direction, which is up. <laughs> so they're both <laughs> valuable, but I usually suggest, and, and if it were me, I'm trying to put as much as I can in Roth type of accounts, because you're kind of getting it out of the way and you know that money is yours in retirement.
0: Yeah, so that being said, right, if we're talking about someone who wants to take that first basic step towards investing, and we're kind of focusing here on these retirement accounts, the first step would be to, you said, take advantage of the ones that you already have access to. So that would be a 401k that's provided through an employer. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so that would be the first one. So if you're, if you've, you've done you, your, you've paid off your high interest credit card debt, you have an emergency fund. The next step would be tracking your spending, figuring out how much you can invest per month. And then it's like, okay, what retirement accounts can I use? So if you have a 401k, you'll want to take advantage of that. If you have a. If you don't have a Roth IRA and you qualify, that is a fantastic investment account. Um, If you make over $144,000 per year, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. But if you make less than that, you can contribute up to $6,000 depending on how much you make. So that's a great investment tool to invest outside of your 401k. And I definitely encourage that people do that. And then there's other types of accounts. If you are a entrepreneur, you can set up your own 401k, you can set up a solo 401k and those accounts are yeah those accounts are great because you can contribute as a business owner and as an employee so you can have quite the contribution to those um Yeah, there's those. There's what's called a SEP IRA, which is a self-employed pension. They're all just, uh, without getting into all of the like lingo and the um, different letters, it's really all just different types of tax treatments to retirement accounts and ways for you to save money on taxes. That's really what it is. So wherever you can do that, you want to take advantage of, of it where you can. And then once you've maxed out all of that, there is a place for taxable brokerage accounts, which are just Fancy name for regular investing account that doesn't have any tax advantage. And that's valuable because you have flexibility, right? You can take that money out whenever you want, but the other, the, when you're starting to invest for retirement and for the future, you want to do everything you can to take, take advantage of those retirement accounts. Um, and max those out first.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love this. This reminds me of how the very wealthy people have access to a lot of different things to help them save money on taxes. And I'm like, thank you for putting us on to the tips and what we got to do here to save money on taxes. (laughs) I love it. So what are some of the basic steps then to get started if you want to invest in other areas? So say you have done the research, you figured out, okay, I'm doing Four hundred and one K through my job, I'm going to do a Roth IRA. You kind of have that down and you have a little bit more wiggle room in your budget for investing somewhere else. And you know, you've already maxed out, I know contributions in those other places. What would be that next first or the next step rather?
1: Sure. So I would say before you invest outside of, you know, retirement accounts, I would make sure that you understand the basics of investing in those. So one really great thing to learn about is index funds. Index funds are a really easy type of investment. That is basically what an index is. If you think about the stock market, a stock Stock market index is a group of stocks that tracks a specific benchmark or the performance of the stock market overall. So if you think about the S&P 500, that is just a list of the top 500 largest companies in the U.S., an S&P index fund is an investment that you can invest in that holds the top 500 companies in the US. So for the majority of people, learning how to invest in index funds is a really great way to get started because they have low fees and you can hold a bunch of different stocks at once without having to try to pick specific stocks. So if we're talking about stock market investing, for the majority of people, even advanced advanced investors, they're going to hold the majority of their investments in index funds. And the reason for that is because it's really hard to time the market. Day trading typically isn't something that works for most people. And in fact, most day traders underperform the market. So buying and holding a couple simple investments like index funds is a really great place to start. If you want to diversify further, there are endless amounts of options. And I think at that point, you'd have to think about What are you willing to invest from a time perspective to support those investments? So index funds are easy because you can set them up in your 401k, your Roth IRA or your taxable brokerage account. You let them grow for a long time. You ride the waves of the stock market and, and, you know, in 20 years, you're going to be doing well because you've been consistently investing over time into those accounts. Other things like real estate can be super valuable, but it's definitely more work. And there's a lot of a lot of creators and people that'll say like real estate investing is a passive you, you you know you buy a property and you make all this money right away i invest in real estate i have a couple multi-families and a single family house and they are definitely work there are some of them are easier now like i have one house i've had for years it's fine i have a property manager handle all of it but it's definitely a little it can be First of all, it's a bigger deal, right? So it can be stressful. So if you're not somebody that's great at dealing with stress, like issues going on at the house or like unexpected things, that's gonna be tough for you. But I will say, if you are open to something like real estate investing, I think house hacking is one of the absolute best ways to build wealth. Um, House hacking is when you buy a multifamily, like two or three family property. You live in one unit and you rent out the other. That to me is one of the smartest things you can do because you are sort of investing in real estate, but you're really just like getting rid of your living costs in a lot of cases. Like for me right now, I live in a two family and my tenants pay 90% of my mortgage, which is amazing. So that in itself is an investment for me. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can invest outside of, of the stock market. Fundrise is a cool platform that allows you to invest in real estate without actually buying physical real estate. So that's another way you could do it. And then, of course, there's everything from crypto to art to wine. There's tons of different types of investments. My number one rule is you have to understand what you are investing in. So I wouldn't invest in art because I can't, I can draw a smiley face. I think that's about it. I know nothing about art. I would never invest in art because I don't understand it (laughs) at all, right? Love the um, art museum though, but... (laughs) Yeah, art museum's cool, but I don't know what's going on. So I'm not investing in that. So if you are going to look at some of these other things, you have to understand what it is, first of all, and understand the risk of it. How speculative is it? A lot of people have started investing in crypto without understanding the basics of the stock market. Crypto is very, very volatile. Will it make you a lot of money in the future? Potentially, but we don't really know. So you have to be really comfortable with an extreme level of volatility. And for me, I only have maybe like 3% of my investments in crypto because it's just so volatile. And I'm also in my head prepared for that to all just be zero one day. So you just have to be really careful with with what you're doing. And that's where like going back to what we were talking about before around anxiety. If you learn what you're investing in and you understand the cycles of value and like just like the stock market goes up and down over time, but up over the long run, You really want to understand that stuff before you start investing. Otherwise, it'll be pretty stressful. So I don't say all that to scare you, to scare anyone or or discourage anyone, but just to be realistic, like I think investing most of your stuff in index funds and in your retirement accounts is awesome for retirement. And then if you want to level it up, I think real estate investing is awesome. But you have to do the work. You have to get educated, um, take a course, you know, not just buy a house down the street kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I love this. Like all of this is so good. Um, And I love what you mentioned about the index funds, because it sounds like, like you said, when you invest in an index fund, you're kind of like spreading your money right across multiple different companies. So it's almost in a way kind of making you feel like the risk is a little bit more stable.
1: Is that a a good way of explaining it? Yeah, yeah. It's called diversification. So ideally, when you're investing in the stock market specifically, you want to invest in companies that have a range of industries, like healthcare technology, you want to invest in companies in different countries, you want to invest in companies of different sizes. So. Index funds allow you to invest in a lot of companies all at once, which allows you to create diversification right away. So for example, one really simple portfolio that will has performed pretty well over the last few years would be to or the last, you know, 10-20 years would be if you bought an index fund of the S&P 500, which is the top 500 largest companies in the US. And then you bought an international index fund which might have hundreds or thousands of companies internationally, you kind of have a really well diversified portfolio with just two index funds. They, there's a, you can do more than that if you want to, but if you're somebody that just wants to set it up and leave it alone and you don't want to overcomplicate it, that would Sounds be an like okay me. strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that could like be a, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. There's
1: more to it. Like of course, you know, also diversifying between bonds and stocks. So bonds are, a little bit of a lower risk investment and can add stability to your portfolio. So if you're somebody that's really concerned about risk, you might wanna add bonds, but the great news about bonds is that you can buy a bond index fund. So then you can you know, invest in bonds and stocks and have pretty good diversification and hold on to a lot of companies all at once with just like three funds. There's even a total world stock market index fund that holds a piece of every single stock that exists pretty much it's like four thousand different companies in one index oh, wow. fund so oh you wow. can do that if you just <laughs> wanted the whole return of the stock market you could just invest in that so there's there's pros and cons to each but to get started and not over complicated if you just chose a couple index fund and looked at like google like easy index fund portfolios you could get started pretty quickly with a couple index funds
0: Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask that next in terms of like resources you mentioned, I forget the name, you said like fund something for the real estate.
1: Oh, so yeah. So if you want to invest in real estate without buying physical real estate, Fundrise is a company. Fundrise. Yeah. I've heard good things about them. If you want to invest in physical real estate, Bigger Pockets is the best podcast, educational platform on real estate out there. I've learned a ton through them so that just kind of depends which route you want to go as far as learning about index funds and how to invest in them there's a couple really great books um one is called um, a simple path to wealth by jl collins and that book is really great. It's not hard to read. It's not super jargony. And it will just help you understand the value of investing in index funds. You could probably read it in a couple of days. It wouldn't take you that long. Another great book is I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Um, oh, and that. oh, you read it? Yeah. It's a great yeah. book. Yeah. I really yeah, like that, that one. Yeah. 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 It's super accessible and it's less it's less specifically about investing. It's a little bit more of a good holistic personal finance book. So if you're listening to this podcast being like, holy crap, I don't know where to start at all. <laughs> start with I will teach you to be rich and then go on to a simple path to wealth. Um, but yeah, there's so many resources out there. There's a bunch of awesome creators on Instagram. Clobear um, Money Coach is amazing. Better Wallet is amazing. Those are two of my favorite money mentors. Um, I'm on Instagram constantly posting free content. You can learn a lot if you follow a few personal finance creators. Uh, So that's another way you can learn. Um, A lot of us have courses. I have a super straightforward like five-week course that'll walk you through how to track your spending, how to pick retirement accounts, how to select a few index funds. So there are endless amounts of resources. It's worth it if you find something that looks good to you to truly learn and hold yourself accountable. You can set yourself up really quickly, like in less than a couple months, be ready to go with all your investments and have a really good understanding of what you need to do.
0: with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. That's drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. Check it out. Speaking of like resources and the free resources. So we have the books, we have the podcast, we have obviously your Instagram, some of the other accounts you mentioned, which I'll link everything down below in terms of someone who's like, I want to do, I want to like have you hold my hand and walk me through it. Do you do services like that? Like, I guess that would be, um, what would that be financial coaching or financial something? I'm forgetting the word, but do you do stuff like that as well?
1: Totally. So one thing we haven't really talked about that's worth addressing is the difference between financial advisors and financial coaches. So financial advisors are people that will manage your investments on your behalf and they usually charge a percentage of the assets that you have invested with them. Most people, especially young people in their 20s and 30s, don't need a financial advisor. You can really easily learn how to do it on your own and and financial advisors can come with pretty hefty fees. Um, A financial coach is going to teach you how to do a lot of that stuff on your own, which I think is awesome and super empowering. And that's what I would recommend for most people. Um, Even if you do think you're going to get a financial advisor, you want to know what they're doing. So I would recommend taking a course or program before you get a financial advisor, just so you can have an intelligent conversation with them. I know too many people that have been kind of blindsided because a lot of financial advisors get paid. Commission to do certain things for your account. It doesn't mean they're intentionally bad people, but it does mean that they don't necessarily having your best interest in mind and their best interest in mind can be contradictory, which is a problem with the industry. So it's important to learn the basics regardless of what direction you're headed. And so as a fine, I would consider myself a financial coach. And in my program, it's Mine's a course, so it's like five weeks of videos, one hour per week, and then included in that is group coaching. And I do some one-on-one time once you've gone through the whole course if you have some follow-up questions. So that's usually, more affordable than getting a financial coach. But if you do want a financial coach that walks you through like, you know, that you meet with like once a month or once every other week that walks you through the whole thing, I have a few amazing resources for that. Um, One of them is Holistic Personal Finance. She actually has a great Instagram account too. So I'll make sure I'll send you all these for the show notes.
0: Yeah, Um, sweet. Thank you
1: yeah so she does more one-to-one coaching so it just kind of depends on your style you know for me i would rather give you all the videos you need to learn and then come to me with your questions so that that we can get you started on your own other people really want that like high touch point one-to-one so they're both good directions um the one-to-one stuff over time is more expensive so just kind of depends on your preference.
0: Yeah, I like the the method that you go by with like having the course and then having some of the group coaching and then having like the one-on-ones here and there to kind of help reinforce you with like the things that you're learning in the course already or to ask specific questions. Because um, like you said, it's empowering when you get to learn this stuff on your own and you're actually like, you know the jargon, you know different things versus just going to someone to be like, do this for me and I can't do it myself. So I really love that. I want to go back to one thing that we talked about earlier in the episode which was a misconception around investing. So what are some common misconceptions about saving or even investing that people
1: need to understand better in order to start wealth building? Sure. So the first one I would say is Uh, the most common misconception is that investing is too complicated for me to learn. Like, it's just so overwhelming. I'm not even going to touch it. Um, And that's just not true. It sounds very complicated. And there are some things that you definitely need to learn. And it's a little bit of a different language, but it's not hard if you, are most people can learn it pretty quickly, but that part of that is really about getting over your money blocks and money stories to believe that you can learn it. So that's the first and most common one. um I need to be completely debt free is another common misconception. That's not true. Um, I need to be good at math. You definitely do not need to be good at math. I am proof of that. Uh, like I said, lots of calculators out there. You need to be good enough to add and subtract. Um, and even then, basics, the basics. Use yeah. an Excel spreadsheet for that. Um, Um, You don't need to like time the market and in fact, trying to time the market, like trying to invest at the right time or picking the right stocks, you don't need to do any of that. It's overcomplicated. Most people that try to time the market do worse anyway, and that's where those index funds that we were talking about come into play because it's a great way to buy a bunch of companies in the stock market and just hold on to them for a long period of time. You know, historically the stock market's returned about 10% over the last hundred years. So rather than trying to time the market and get fancy with stock picking, for me, I'd rather invest in a bunch of diversified companies, hold them for a long time and rely on compound interest and the stock market over time to go up. Because if the stock market is not going up over time, or it crap, people ask that. We'll be like, "What if the stock market completely crashes?" Like that means that things have gone real bad. Like there's like solar flares and like I don't know some kind of like zombie apocalypse. Like, yeah, so- <laughs> aliens <laughs> so, like, have arrived. Like <laughs> right. like we will have like bigger problems. <laughs> so yeah, then your I would worry about like- <laughs> Right. Exactly. That means our entire economy has collapsed. That's a different conversation. I need to have a lot of money to get started is another one. You don't. You I mean you can't retire off investing a hundred dollars a month, but it's so much better than nothing and it can add up pretty quickly. So, you know, start investing with what you can now, even if it's fifty bucks a week, hundred bucks a month, whatever it is, and then As you go, you can start to add more to that and there's great compound interest calculators that can help you with that. And then the last there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, personal finance and investing. The last one I would say is I need a financial advisor to do it for me. Um, You don't you can you can learn it on your own. And even if you do want to go that route, as I mentioned before, like so, so valuable, I lost a lot of money trusting a financial advisor, like to the tune of probably $100,000 in like fees and like a garbage annuity that I was sold. Yeah. And that's actually why I do what I do now, because once I learned how straightforward it is, I just feel like very compelled to make sure everybody else knows this. And the financial advisor not, was not a bad person, like very well-intentioned person, but the industry is- is just a little bit of a contradiction because they get paid for selling you certain things so you know they're trying to make a living it might not be the best fit for you and so that's not to say i know some amazing financial advisors so i do try to say that like they're not all like bad people you're not always going to be duped that's not true but if you can save a lot of your money by learning on your own it's worth it because just like your investments compound so do fees so if you're paying an advisor one percent of your money every year for 30 years that's going to add up to hundreds and thousands of dollars (laughs) so it's worth it to learn how to do it on your own yeah i love the part
0: about Timing the market. I've been seeing these random videos on my YouTube homepage where they're like, you need to invest like this month or this month because of the recession and this. And if you don't get it now, it's like, I don't know. I feel like first of all, it's very fear-mongery and it makes you feel as if like if you don't do it in a specific window of time that this person is suggesting, that you've missed the boat. And it's like, okay, well, you're just gonna be broke for the rest of your life and that's it. <laughs> like that's kind of the, <laughs> yeah. the energy and the um the the dialogue or the um the dialogue and the discussion that goes on in those videos so thank you for saying that because i for me at least like i would see some of those videos and like started to panic like oh my god should i be doing something have i missed the boat for doing something and not really understanding that it's something that's going to take years. like you're doing this and it's not like you're putting in the money and you're taking it out tomorrow right you're putting it in you're going to retire in like decades so this is a yes. long game this is a marathon not a sprint of like getting it in now you know
1: what i mean yeah, totally. It's so funny that you say that. I, I mean, like doom sells, right? Like newspapers love to be like, we're gonna heading into a recession, then shit's real bad or whatever. Like that's like how it always is. That's how they sell. Like that's how the media sells news. Like they love doom and gloom. And it's funny because I I was just Googling something the other day, some something about recessions for a content piece I was writing. And like in the same in the same like the top part of your google search that has like suggested news articles one was like J- I, th- I can't remember who it was. it was like jp morgan like says we're gonna go into a recession for like two years and then some other reputable financial institution being like things are gonna turn around and be better like in two months and like it's like right next to each other so like no one knows and these are the most foremost experts of the economy and finances. And I mean, as far as genius as you can, like these are the people they have working for these two massive, massive, massively resourced institutions and they have no idea. So no one knows. (laughs) Speaking of, I would actually love um, if you are familiar
0: with like the definition of a, a recession and a depression, or I guess like what the idea of that is. And then how they affect wealth building and like you know how they talk about how many successful businesses are built during like the downward turn of the economy so like these periods why does that happen if they're supposed to be so bad for people
1: to like make money or even live right yeah totally so i'll actually start with sort of where we how this all started right now, it's October, 2022. So we started with a bear market and a bear market is when the stock market declines has a prolonged decline of about 20%. Um, So that's kind of, that's the stock market piece. Like that's when you're, you know, you've seen your accounts, if you're investing in well-diverse stuff that's tracking the stock market, you've probably seen a 20% decline in, in your investments this year. And that's what's called a bear market. So that's the stock market. Then a recession actually has to do with the gross domestic product. So one definition is it's two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product, negative GDP. So theoretically we entered a recession this past summer, 2022, we entered a recession and that's, you know, a downward trend in the business cycle, decline in employment, um, you know, lowers household income spending. Obviously we have like a very high inflation right now. So, that's what a recession that's the difference between a recession and a bear market a depression is just far more severe like major downsizing like widespread unemployment serious decline of all kinds of growth or international trade usually depression i think is probably more global uh recession could be more isolated to a specific geographic region so what's most important i think for for people to understand is we may be in a recession um, and we likely will stay stay in one or a bear market for a while. But historically speaking, all bear markets have turned into bull markets. And bull market is when there's an an increase in the stock market, prolonged increase of twenty percent. Um, bear markets tend to last nine months. And I think one thing that's really important to and you know this bear market and recession might last longer than that because we are in a in a in a pretty interesting economic situation right now but really important to remember that this happens pretty often like in the scope of our lives a bear market happens roughly every like four year i think it's like three to four years oh that happens pretty often um if you invested like right before 2008 um right when the economy like collapsed after the subprime mortgage crisis and you held on to your investments until now you would have a very high positive return. I don't know off the top of my head, but even the last five years right now with the stock market down, if you had started investing five years ago, you'd still have a 50% return on your investment, even right now with the market as down as it is this year. So that's when it's really valuable to, loom, to zoom out and, and do some of the things you were thinking, like having that long term mindset, why that's so valuable, because the, the economy works in cycles just like most things in our life, you know, we want it to be linear. It's never going to be. So we have (laughs) to accept that just like our careers and whatever else we're working on in life. Right. So so I think that's important to remember. Like, yeah, we might be in a recession um, for a little while, definitely in a bear market for sure. The the most valuable thing and to your point is like, how do we take advantage of that? And so if you start investing right now, you have an opportunity. You're buying stocks at a very low price and then you have the opportunity to ride that wave back up and build some significant wealth as far as businesses like building a business in a recession i mean think about covid like how many people started online businesses and created these edu edutainment right like very entertaining education i think that's such an awesome field i love online businesses because i just love the idea of of marrying entertainment and education and finding ways to to help elevate people from their home, from their phones, from their smartphones, whatever it is. And so, you know, the COVID created a lot of interesting businesses, even some restaurants that turned into takeaway businesses and ended up doing better because they had better operations for their takeout. So I think if you can stay ahead of the trends and understand what's happening and pivot quickly, like the businesses that survived and thrived in COVID, they were either food delivery because everyone ordered food during COVID. Yeah, or grocery <laughs> delivery. Well, that's Grocery Absolutely. delivery. But yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There were those, or like the companies or the businesses that pivoted and said, okay, like we have a in-store offer or we're brick and mortar. How do we how do we get this to consumers in a different way? So I think recessions do have an opportunity to to make they always say millionaires are built in recessions. When they say that, that means yes. that they yeah, <laughs> it means that they've invested in In you know, when the market's down and then rode the wave back up, I had a a partner of mine years ago, a really savvy real estate investor, and he bought, you know, four properties in 2009 in Arizona for like 70 grand a pop. Like, that's a joke, like, you can't buy a house for $70,000 anymore, (laughs) but like, he retired off that. Like just those four, like there, you know, like that made him a couple million a few years later. So he, you know, he wasn't super wealthy before. He just saw the opportunity. So you know, that's a that's a good example. I think there's easier ways to do it too. Like just consistently investing over time is a good way to make sure that you're taking advantage of a recession um, or a bear market anyway, and and buying stocks at a discount. But I think there's always opportunity. And one thing I think. The other thing I'll say is, I feel like I hear a lot of stories now that I'm in the entrepreneurship world of people getting laid off and then their businesses skyrocketing because they've been doing it part-time, they get laid off, they have to make it work and they do. So I think that there is, that other side of it too, that is like when you're put in the the tough spot to like make it or break it, then you end up putting in the effort and you can create something really amazing. And there's some so many like amazing people doing all kinds of cool, a lot of it around education, like and that's what's so cool, like even your podcast, like you're doing like such an amazing thing, educating so many people and talking through some like challenging topics and how valuable is that? So I think there's always ways to make money if you add value. And and mm-hmm. You know, the internet just allows us to create whatever we can that can really impact people's lives in a positive way.
0: You're so right. Like hearing the stories of people who, you know, may have like lost their job or they're put in a tough spot. And it's like now they have to make it work. Like before, they may have just been, you know, it's like, oh, it's like my side hustle and like the money's good, but I don't necessarily need it because I have a job. And now it's like this, you need to make it work. It's survival. So I think that puts a different energy into it. And you you just you just work differently. You approach it differently because, you know, it's like all or nothing. So it can definitely be a, a tough situation to be in. But I also think that for a lot of people, it's like, what's what's that other saying? It's like the diamond is made, no. Pressure makes diamonds. I'm like butchering this, oh, but you know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I know like, what you mean, yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. say diamond in the rough, but I'm like, that's not it, something about pressure making diamonds. So yeah, it's like, it's that same principle and that same understanding. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Before we wrap up our chat, I just have like one or two more questions for you. And this is around the budgeting piece. And I know we kind of touched on this earlier in the episode when you were talking about, you know, someone figuring out how much money they have coming in, how much is going out, and where they can make room for investing in their life. So how should someone approach creating a basic budget, especially in a way that's not stressful? Like, do you use a calculator or a tool for that personally? Is that something where you build an Excel sheet? Like, what is that first step and how would you approach that?
1: That's a great question. I'll start off by saying there are so many different opinions on this that you might have to try a few things to figure out what works for you. I am not a detailer. I cannot do the budgeting down to the dollar. It gives me a headache (laughs) and I just like, I hate that. I can't do that. So what I I do it in a simpler way. There are a lot of amazing tools. You Need a Budget is a good tool. Um, One thing you can do really quickly easily is to, use a wealth aggregator like mint or personal capital, where you can pull in all your accounts, like your credit cards, mortgages, if you have them, your bank accounts, and you can see them all in one place. That's not necessarily budgeting, but that is a great way to get a quick picture of where you're at. So I actually use that a lot because as I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of budgeting. I find it very tedious, but I do look at that all the time and I have some things categorized on there so I can make sure that I'm not totally off track. One thing I would recommend if, if you're like me and you want to do it in a simple way, that's not going to give you a lot of anxiety is figure out a few buckets to, to budget towards. So in my program, what I recommend is five buckets. It's your fixed expenses. So everything you need to live off your emergency fund. So those two are pretty like easy taken care of where it gets a little bit more complicated is your intentional spending which is what are you gonna spend on your life that brings you joy and fulfillment, savings and investing. So those are kind of the five different categories. What percentage you put in each really depends on where you are in life. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people are like, what percentage of my salary should you be investing? The short answer is as much as possible, as early as possible, because if you start earlier, then you can contribute less and have more in retirement. The longer answer is you need to really figure out what you need to spend to survive, and then what you want to spend to make sure you're enjoying your life, and then I, and then you know what's left over. If you're making short-term purchases, like you're planning to buy a house in the next three years, that's not money that you want to invest. So you want to have a separate bucket for that. Um, but if it's money that you're not going to touch for 10, 20, 30 years, that can go in your investing bucket. So I think finding a few buckets, doing the math to figure out approximately how much you have in each bucket now and how much you want to shift, that's probably the easiest way I think it is, and you can do that in a spreadsheet pretty easily. Um, If you want to make it even simpler, needs and wants. This is stuff I need. (laughs) This is stuff I want. And then like your wants are going to include like, well, I want to retire comfortably someday. So what's that going to take, right? So I mean, if you wanted to really simplify it, you could do something like that too. But I think one of the easiest things to do before you even. Build a budget, just start tracking your spending. Like, just anything, if like anything, if you were doing like working out or nutrition, like you start tracking, you start to see stuff. You could probably make some big adjustments to your budgeting pretty quickly or your spending pretty quickly if you know where your money is going. So you might be like, oh shit, I'm eating. So sorry, I'm, I probably should not be swearing on the podcast. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, Uh, you might want to be like, oh, I'm spending, you know, $200 a week on takeout food. And, and once you know that you might be able to cut back pretty quickly without having to go through a very extensive budgeting process. So some people need the, the discipline of a very specific, every dollar has a job that works for some people. For me personally, I can't do that. I got to make it simple. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I recently learned. Well, not recently. I spend a lot of money on food. As a tourist, <laughs> it, it it makes sense. Yes. Yes. I'm like, huh. Man, I like to eat, but <laughs> I digress. Um, that was super helpful. I've also used Mint before. I really like Mint. I love like their whole interface, and it's super simple. Like shows you everything broken down into categories as well, which is really nice. And then on Mint, you could also set goals, so maybe it just helps with like your your budgeting piece of like if you know I want to set you know X goal for like. I don't know, the savings bucket or for the the house bucket or for the investing bucket. It also helps you do some of that too, which I really like. So, oh my gosh, Tess, this has been a lovely conversation. So much value added. So I truly appreciate you jumping on and having this conversation with me. So to wrap up, I'd love for you to kind of outline where we can find you online, some of the resources that you have. I'll link, of course, any resources and your Instagram, your website, everything down below. But if you could walk us through that.
1: Sure. So on Instagram, at wealth with Tess. I post a ton of educational content there. That's my website as well as at wealth with Tess. I also have a great how to make the most of your 401k guide that'll walk you through some quick things you can do, whether you have an old one or a new one to make sure you're not paying a bunch of fees. Um, the average American spends $138,000 in fees in their 401k, oh which my is
0: gosh. Like, wild. First of
1: all, rude, yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Yeah. It's a bummer. It's why I do what I do. So to avoid fees in your 401k, if you're or if you have an old 401k, this checklist will help walk you through some of that. So I definitely recommend downloading that. That'll be in the show notes as well. And then I also have my online program where I walk you through all this stuff if you want some additional support there. So that's where you can find me. And I'm always happy to answer questions. So send me a DM. Um, don't be a stranger. I love chatting with people and, and happy to answer quick questions as well.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go download the checklist because I don't (laughs) like fees. (laughs) So I will also add it to the show notes and everything else that you just mentioned. Thank you again for jumping on to chat with me. And yeah, I hope
1: you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much. It was so nice to chat with you.
0: Welcome, my loves, to a special holiday season edition of Manifest Daily. I'm your host, DeAndre Nicolette, and this December, I have something truly magical in store for you. I've decided to spread some holiday joy by bringing back 12 of our most downloaded podcast episodes. It's giving very much 12 days of Manifest Daily, if you will. Starting December 12th and counting down each day until Christmas, I'll be unwrapping and re-releasing some of your all-time favorite episodes. It's my way of saying thank you for being part of this incredible, Incredible, almost five-year journey of this show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, share, and let's make this holiday season truly special together. There could be cash waiting for you at findmassmoney.gov.
1: You might have checked before, but they're always updating names. So check again. The Mass State Treasury has over $3 billion in unclaimed property. Maybe it's a long-lost
0: bank account, forgotten shares of a stock, or an old paycheck you somehow forgot to pick up. Some of it might be yours. There's a lot of money that could be yours, but you'll never know until you go. So go to findmassmoney.gov. That's findmassmoney.gov. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator.